Okay, last week I shared with you about a sense I had of new connections God wanted to make, and um, I'm going to kind of keep, keep on that theme. Uh, we're going to look at a story in John 21 from a, a certain perspective, um, because I believe there are some connections that might need to be renewed. Um, so they're not new connections, but they need to be made new. Um, perhaps some connections that have been lost or damaged, uh, Maybe in the last year or so, maybe even longer ago, that I believe God perhaps wants to be restored. Um, and I want to look at the example Jesus gives us when it comes to restoring relationships, restoring connections. What is the example of Jesus and what pattern does he set for us when people have hurt us, let us down, betrayed us, been quiet when we hoped they would have spoken up? When people have done that, how does Jesus respond? as our example. And, um, and I've taught from this passage before, um, and when I have, I've, I've always kind of gone from the angle of, okay, this is Jesus' response to you, and I've asked you to put yourselves in, in Peter's shoes and go, okay, this is how Jesus responds to you. When you get it wrong, he comes to you. When you it, but I want to switch it around this morning. I want you to put yourself in Jesus' shoes and see it from the other side of the conversation because I think there's something really powerful and something really necessary about seeing Jesus' example of how he treats people who have hurt him. So, um, but before I get into that, I want to say a couple of things. Um, first of all, because uh, really we're talking about reconciliation, that's what I'm talking about. Um, uh, firstly, any reconciliation uh, must come after forgiveness. So there's got to be forgiveness first. You can't try and reconcile before you're forgiven. And I've talked about that many times in many different places. Uh, but really, it's impossible to reconcile with someone whom you've not forgiven. And actually trying to do that will probably just end up pouring fuel on the fire of your pain. Uh, probably on theirs as well. Um, so, so when I'm talking this morning, I'm assuming that forgiveness has taken place. And that you understand what that means. That you've processed the pain uh, that was caused you and that you've released that pain to Jesus, which also means you've released any desire for revenge or justice to Jesus. So when I'm talking about reconciliation, we, we've got a, the forgiveness is the first stage of it and then there's reconciliation. So, And I'm aware, I, but I've talked enough, I think, about forgiveness over the years for most of you to understand that. And if not, it's online, you can find it. Secondly, I'm aware there is a vast range of relationships that have been broken and that reconciliation isn't wise in some cases. So I'm, I'm not talking about that you should kind of straight away after this meeting call the person who caused you deep trauma and go for a walk with them. Okay, I'm like, there's wisdom about it. This morning I'm talking about the orientation of heart of somebody who loves Jesus towards those who are home. I'm talking about the orientation of hearts. I'm talking about perhaps the ways we fall out over quite trivial things that in the grand scheme of things don't really matter. Perhaps the way we see the world, the way we've chosen to navigate through this world, perhaps choices, decisions we've made, perhaps even in this last year or last few months that have allowed some connections to lose their depth. But I'm outlining the heart of a kingdom person that wants to be in relationship and wants to be reconciled to people around them. So when you hear Holy Spirit speaking this morning, then you've got to note that down and then you've got to find some wisdom for what to do with what you hear. 
Because there's hearing the heart of it and then there's working out how you do that, which is often unique to your situation and to the person you're reconciling with. So um, I just want to be really clear that uh, you're going to need some wisdom to navigate because each connection is unique. So it's not possible to teach what you should or shouldn't do in this situation because two situations, any situation involves two individuals who are, by definition, unique. So really, I'm talking to you about your heart this morning. And of course, you've got discipleship groups, so what a great time to find some kingdom wisdom for what to do with it. But I'm going to talk about heart orientation, the posture of your heart towards those who have hurt you as exemplified by Jesus and how you outwork that heart needs wisdom. Okay, so before we get into the story in John 21, let me give you some background. So in Matthew chapter 16, Peter has had this miraculous revelation of who Jesus is. And um, he he realizes Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus goes, well done, that's been revealed to you by by the Father. Um, Then, moments later, Peter gets it incredibly wrong, which is then followed by this incredible prophetic word about his future. Um, You fast forward a little bit and you find Peter with Jesus the night before Jesus' arrest. Peter declares he will lay down his life for him only for Jesus to respond by telling him he's going to actually disown him. And sure enough, Jesus' words come true, and Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. So Jesus is on trial for his life, having done nothing wrong. And the man who has declared he will lay down his life for him, he's not even willing to say he associates with him. So forget about Peter. Put yourself in the shoes of Jesus. Jesus has done nothing wrong. Peter said, I'm going to lay down my life for you, Jesus. I'm going to give me all for you. And just 24 hours later, the same person, he's not even willing to admit that he's associated with Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Think about how you would feel when someone had said they would lay down their life for you. In the end, he's not even willing to admit that they know you. This is the pain Peter's caused Jesus. This is the level and depth of hurt Peter has caused Jesus. Now you know that level of pain to some degree or another because you are a human being. But I want you to keep thinking about Jesus as I share this morning. John 21 and verse 4, have we got that then? Oh no, you haven't got that there because I ain't giving you any slides. Never mind. Don't mind. I've totally forgot about that. Early in the morning, I'll just read it to you. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Okay. So this is fascinating. Now, Basically, Peter's decided to go fishing. So Peter's gone fishing with a few of his friends because he can't work out what else to do. Except he can't even go fishing because he doesn't catch anything. Uh, But we read in verse 4 that early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Okay, so think about it. Jesus is the injured party. Jesus is the one who's been hurt. Surely, he should be sat sulking, enjoying a pity party until Peter comes groveling back with an apology. Isn't that what we do when people hurt Shouldn't Jesus be sat going, well, when Peter comes back and says, sorry, I'll be his friend again? Because that's generally what we're like, isn't it? And yet what we see is Jesus, the injured one, the hurt one, the rejected one, is seeking Peter out. He's gone looking for him. Jesus wants a conversation with Peter and he loves him so much that he goes out and seeks him. Which reminds me of Adam and Eve in the garden and God. 
when Adam and Eve get wrong in the garden, what happens? God goes searching for them. God goes looking for them. He goes to walk in the cool of the day and says to the man, where are you? Because the heart of God and the heart of the kingdom is always about reconciliation. It's always about coming back together. It's always about reaching out, even if you are the hurt one. From the very beginning of time, the heart of God has been for reconciliation. He's always sat with his kids, longing to be back in relationship with them. And of course, the journey of faith is to be like Jesus. So we have to ask, to what extent are you like Jesus in this sense? Because when Jesus is hurt, he seeks out the one who hurt him to be reconciled. I told you you'd love this message. It's beautiful. Just gets better, don't worry. When did you last do that? Friends, work colleagues, siblings, parents, spouse. What happens most of the time after we've fallen out with someone is we both go in a sulk and tell ourselves that when the other one apologizes, we'll talk to them. Well, maybe we might let them suffer for a little bit. Because obviously they got it wrong, so they should be the one to do the groveling and come back and apologize. And when they express their deep pain and sorrow and regret, then I may let them hang for a little while because that's always fun. But eventually I may go, oh, it's okay. I'm sure none of you have ever done that or felt like that. Recognize you're all lovers of Jesus who wouldn't possibly ever think or feel like that. But some people might think about it. Think what difference it would make to your relationships if you were like Jesus in this manner. What difference would it make if when we were hurt, we were the ones who sought out the one who would hurt us because we wanted reconciliation that much? What difference would it make if we valued reconciliation more highly than our bruised ego and our desire to play the injured party for as long as possible? What difference would it make if being in relationship was more important than being right? Jesus sought Peter out. He wanted to share with him, enjoy his company, he wanted to be with him. But he didn't seek him out to rebuke him or remind him of what he got wrong or have it out with him. See, sometimes we, we go seek people, don't we? But not to get back together, just to point out how wrong they were from last time and make sure they really understood just how hurt we are. That's often why we go back to people. But Jesus seeks Peter out not to do any of that, just to remind him of his love for him. Because Jesus has dealt with the pain of it, therefore he can do it. But this, this is the example Jesus sets us. This is, this is the example Jesus sets of what it means to be in relationship. It's what it means to put relationship above everything else what it means to give your life. It's what it means to bear the cross and all that. But it's not, just that, it's not just that Jesus reaches out to Peter. It's how he reaches out to Peter and how he meets him where he's at. Because you see, a lot of the time, when, when, when something's happened between us, or we've fallen out or had a disagreement, a lot of our reconciliation is based on when you understand and change, then we'll all be our care. When you see it like I see it, when you don't do that again, when you stop doing that, listen to these words. John 21, 15 to 17. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said that we feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my, 
third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. I love Jesus enjoys breakfast with him first. He's happy to enjoy his presence. He's not rushing off desperate to make sure everything gets ticked off his to-do list. He's happy to sit and have breakfast. Can you imagine the resurrected Jesus enjoying small talk around a fire on a beach? Beautiful. Beautiful. The conversation which ensues between Peter and Jesus is fascinating, and I want to break it down for you. First of all, Jesus starts the conversation and says, Simon, son of... I've written John, but it's not John, is it? Simon, son of... What is it? Oh, it's Simon, son of John, yeah. Why is he doing that? I wonder whether Jesus is subtly reminding Peter of their journey, of all they've been through together. Perhaps he's reminding him of his old identity and perhaps in the process reminding him of how far he's come. Or perhaps he's letting him know he's kind of gone backwards a little bit, back to his old ways, but Jesus is still here, still seeking him out, still initiating conversation, still wanting connection. Jesus is fully aware of Peter's mistakes, but he seeks him out and initiates conversation. And remember, this is not restoration for Jesus' sake. He's not pushing the boat out for what he can get out of it. It's all about Peter, for Peter's sake, Peter's life and Peter's future. You see, it's easy to reach out when you go, oh, actually, if, if, I, if I lose this relationship, I'm going to lose something. So I want it back for me. I want it back for what I get out of it. I want it back for what they give me. Jesus is not, this is not what is going on. Jesus is so bothered about Peter that he's going to reach out for him for Peter's sake, not because he's going to get much out of it. Anybody could have stood up at Pentecost and preached. It didn't have to be Peter. It wasn't like Jesus went, oh, shucks, if I don't be his friend, it's all going to go to pot. It didn't need him. He just went, no, I love you so much that I'm going to reach out for you even though I might not even benefit from it. Wow. Wow. Jesus has nothing really again other than the joy of relationship other than the delight of restored relationship. Now, in the English, you miss one of the big points that Jesus is making, but when you see it in the original Greek, it becomes a bit clearer. That's because in English, there's one word for love, but in Greek, there's far. There's agape, God's love. There's filio, brother love. There's starge, familiar love, and there's eros. And in the next, I want to read it to you, but replacing with the Greek words, because you see what's going on here. There's something really special and clever that Jesus does. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. So Jesus goes, do you love me in the way that I love you? With this all-consuming, never-ending, agape, incredible love, the love of God. And Peter goes, I filio you. I love you as a brother. I don't love you like you love me. Notice also that Jesus says whether he loves him more than these. More than what? More than the fish on the ground? More than the fishing boats? More than the disciples? Who knows? But Peter can't bring himself to say, I love you more than these. He just has to say, I love you. Second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. Once again, he goes, oh, 
Jesus, I love you, but I don't love you like you love me. He's realizing it now. Third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you filio me? He was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you filio me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I filio you. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is meeting him where he's at. Jesus goes, I recognize you can't do this, but what you can do, I'm going to meet you there. I'm not going to expect you to do what you can't do. I'm not going to expect you to do something that's not possible. I'm going to meet you right where you are at. So if you can fill your me, then I'll fill your you. If we can meet at this level, if we can meet at this place, if we can agree that this is where we're going to meet together, that's fine by me. Let's meet there. He doesn't wait till Peter gets up to where he wants him to be. He goes down to where he already is. I find this fascinating. Jesus is so determined to be reconciled to Peter, to walk with him, that he's willing to meet him where he's at. Jesus sees more for him, believes more for him, wants more for him, but in the end he goes, it's okay, I'm going to meet you where you are at. Okay. Which means if I'm thinking and we're thinking about being reconciled with people, we've got to meet them where they are at. Which might be the same place it was when the relationship ran into difficulties. They may not have moved. But for Jesus, that's not a reason to not be reconciled. Peter's not moved. But Jesus is going to reconcile with him. Peter's going to go, okay, I understand. You have not moved from this place where maybe that caused us to separate. But even if you're not going to move, I'm going to meet you there. So often we, we base reconciliation on ifs and buts. We decide that when they come round to my way of thinking, then we can be friends again. When they see the truth as I see it, when they see the world like I see it, when they see the Bible like I see it, when they agree with me on this issue or this issue or that issue, then we can be reconciled. But this is not the Jesus way. The Jesus way is not based on reconciliation, based on we agree about this or that or the other. The Jesus way is you're a human and I'm a human and we were born for connection. I mean, think about it. You've got the resurrected Jesus and Peter the fisherman. How much do you really think they had in common? Just right there. The resurrected Jesus who's been down, defeated all the powers of hell. He's now at the right hand of the Father, but still in his body. What's he got in common with Peter anyway? Do you think Peter thinks anything like Jesus at all? Of course he doesn't. He's got no chance of it at all. You see, this is the thing. Jesus does not wait until you agree with him on everything. Or actually, he does not wait until you agree with him on anything before he seeks out relationship with you. He doesn't go, well, when you agree, when you know A, B, C, D, and E, then we can have a relationship. He goes, no, we're going to be in relationship. And there are some things that I think and some ways I see the world that if you see them like that, it might help you. But I'm still going to be in relationship even if you choose never to see them like that. He doesn't cut anybody off because they disagree with him or they don't see the world like him. He offers himself to everybody. At the end of the day, it boils down to what we value the most. And what Jesus values the most is people and being in relationship with people. Because when Jesus is hurt, he seeks out the one who hurt him to be reconciled. This is the example Jesus gives. So when people hurt you and let you down, then according to Jesus' way, you don't write them off. 
You don't give up on them. You don't break off the friendship. You don't block them on social media. You don't delete the phone number. You don't gather some like-minded people and add your pain to their pain to generate more pain just so you can have a good moan about somebody. You don't find ways to undermine them and make life difficult for them. That's what the world does. And you are not of the world, although you were in it. Instead, what we should be seeing is people acting like Jesus, reaching out to those who have hurt them and seeking to be reconciled. That's the example of Jesus. So let me finish with a couple of questions. Are you waiting until someone agrees with you about something before you renew the relationship? Are you waiting until they see the truth as you see it before you reconcile? Or will you be like Jesus? And choose relationship over agreement. Choose reconciliation over opinion. Choose to move towards reconciliation, even if the other party doesn't change their opinion. You see, when Jesus is hurt, he seeks out the one who hurt him to be reconciled. And the orientation, the attitude, the posture of a kingdom heart is always to be reconciled. Now, of course, it takes two to reconcile. But the heart is, I want to be reconciled. I want to be with you. And I think in this day and age, when there is a hundred and one reasons that we could find to be divided and to be separated, we have to work super hard at being together and works super hard at overcoming those things because if your opinions are stronger than wanting to be together that's a problem for Jesus because once again Jesus is not going to withdraw his relationship with you because of what you think about this that or the other he's always going to offer it to you and, and we are learning to be like him so if we were learning to be like him we must therefore have to move towards this place. And of course, how you get there, how you get to that place, is a journey of humility, is a journey of forgiveness, is a journey of recognizing that you probably got some things wrong as well. But it's a beautiful thing to be able to want to be reconciled. Because the alternative is to be eating up on the inside with all the pain of what goes on. So I think we should take communion now. I'm, I'm glad we saved it till the end. I wanted to do that. Can we have some people just to share it? Thanks, Leon. And I, I don't want you to just lose that sense. Okay, because... Hmm. I realize, of course, this is complex in many ways. Oh, thanks, Anna. But I'm just believing that, that as I share it, Holy Spirit speaks to you in ways that are relevant to you. And like I say, some of you will need to get some wisdom on what to do with it. So find somebody who's got some wisdom and talk to them about it. And then listen. Because as you talk, you may well find 
the Holy Spirit points some things out in you which will require some humility. Because the fascinating thing, and this is why it requires humility, is that sometimes you have to go to be reconciled even though you have probably done nothing wrong. Jesus had done nothing wrong. He had made no mistake, done nothing wrong. But his heart to be together, he was the injured pie. You are not Jesus though, so you probably have done something wrong. But I just, you know, this, this is a sign, taking the bread and the, the juice is a sign of the lengths Jesus went to to be reconciled to you. And he's not asking you to die, but he is asking you to mimic his example of reconciliation. So as you, as you eat, eat, eat and drink, I want you to thank him for his example. Just thank you for his example. Let's just, let's just have a little moment of quiet together. And just allow God to speak. And if God's been speaking, I want to encourage you to just write it down somewhere, whether it be on your phone or your notebook or wherever, because I, I felt like as I shared this, and, and it might be that this is a very easy thing. It's just to pick up the phone. Hey, we've not connected in a year. I really want to reconnect. I've missed you. It might be as simple as that. It might be that it's the start of a process that will be much more lengthy than that in a relationship that feels a bit more damaged, shall we say. But... But for some of you, it's just picking up the phone and going, well, you've not talked in a a year, and I miss you. Some of you, it goes a little bit deeper. But I'm believing, as I said last week, there is a grace. There's a grace available in this time for these connections. There's a grace on you and in you for these to happen. I believe we're going to hear some beautiful testimonies in the coming weeks and months of reconnection and new connections that God's going to do that's going to be really powerful. And it's going to be an incredible opposite testimony of what we see everywhere else.
All right, let me just pray for you. Father, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for the incredible example of his Lord. And we are astounded at his heart. Astounded at his ability to reach out. But Father, we want to be like him. We want to be like him, Jesus. And I pray, Father, for all the all the people, Father, you've just laid on our hearts, Lord, that we're aware of, that in our own hearts we are thinking about right now. And Father, I pray first of all that those who need it would find wisdom as to know how to move forward, Father. Thank you that your wisdom is available. It's there at the crossroads. If we seek it, we'll find it. As somebody said earlier, if we seek, we'll find, and if we're not, we'll get. So Father, I want to thank you that wisdom is available to know how to move forward in some of these things. Father, I thank you right now for downloads of wisdom, Father, to know how to take these things forward. And I thank you for grace, Father, and I want to thank you right now, Lord, for that which you have already done in the Spirit, those relationships and connections that you have already touched in the Spirit, Lord, that are just waiting for us to act on them from to be renewed. And I want to thank you, Jesus, for your incredible example to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I recognize, by the way, that this is extremely countercultural. But just let it sit with you. Go on, Phil. Okay, I just want to... You can pick it up. And yeah, give you testimony of how much Jesus really wants this, like Adam's talking. Um, and I was in a situation maybe about 10 years ago when I was the Peter in the story and somebody else was the Jesus. In other words, I'd really got it wrong with this other person. And, um, you know, Jesus really wanted me to be reconciled. And I, I knew that and I went to him and I told him, how I felt rather than going unreservedly just to say sorry, which is what I needed to do. And you know, sometimes you bump into people that you don't want to bump into, and then you know you have to deal with it. Well, I didn't bump into, the, this person lived three miles away and still lives three miles away, and I still bump into him in, in the city. We, our circles still coincide. But I bumped into him in a hotel foyer in Kathmandu. And I've only been in this hotel for you once in Kathmandu, as you do. And I looked at him. And he looked at me. And we said the obvious, well, what are you doing here? He was trekking in the foothills of the Himalayas, of course. And I realized, God, you, I, didn't, I haven't been reconciled to this person. And when I went to see him first, I didn't do it right, did I? So I followed him into the bar and I said, it is uh, too much of a coincidence for me to meet you in this bar in Kathmandu. God must be in it. And he said, yeah, perhaps we should talk when we get home. So I had time to reflect and I realized that I needed to go in the right spirit. Um, and um, he was so gracious towards me. Um, and I've met him since and it's been completely fine. 
and I've met his wife since and his wife could have been miffed at me but she's been completely fine so yeah there is wisdom uh, uh, and if Jesus will cause it to happen even if you have to go to Kathmandu <laughs> thank you yeah there you go thank you Lord thank you Lord